The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Victory Friday, Cowboys Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm Jess Navarro. I'm your host for the day, of course, joined by two incredible ladies, Christy Scales and Aisha Morrison over here. Ladies, I... <laughs> That's very weird to say Victory Friday. Um, very, very weird week. Uh, weird couple of weeks for the Dallas Cowboys, but they came out victorious. A win is a win. Maybe not enough style points, but uh, they came out victorious to the Tennessee Titans 27 to 13. The Dallas Cowboys are now 12 and 4. Um, and. I'm sure y'all have heard this by now, but this is the second consecutive season with 12 wins. The last time the Dallas Cowboys had that back-to-back 12-win season was in 1994-1995, a.k.a. the last time the Dallas Cowboys won a Super Bowl. So there is a little positive nugget to start out uh, this episode. So let's get right to it. Ladies, initial reactions to this game. Christy, you were there. First of all, did you get enough sleep last yeah, night? Yeah, <laughs> we, we landed early. We It's a short flight from Nashville back to DFW, so the team charter landed about 2.10, 2.15 in the morning. So that's for a, a primetime game on the road, That that's early. Yeah. But it, it is so important that the team has, you know, the next few days to yep. uh, rest and recuperate because uh, three games Maybe. in 12 days, yeah. doing it for the second time this year around Thanksgiving and then this late in the season. So it's Two a well-deserved rest. Two yep. months in a row. Like yeah. they've had to do it. But no, are you? I'm sorry. I, didn't, I was just chiming in. I didn't mean to. No, chime in, oh. bro. Chime in. <laughs> no, no, I didn't know she was finished with her mm-hmm. initial thoughts. Are you? Yeah. Well, the other thing was, uh, it's especially helpful because what a physical game. Oof. You know, we know that yeah. the Titans take on the persona of their head coach Mike Vrabel, who's a who was a hard nosed player when he was in the NFL, and man, that was. Tough sledding, yeah. literally, yeah. <laughs> Run, yeah. as reflected in the run statistics. But that was as physical a game as we've seen all year. And and even without so many starters, especially on that defense, kudos to the Titans because they they were stuffing the run. And um, it was it ended up being a game of big plays through the air both uh, for both teams just because it was uh, so hard along the line. Yeah, my initial thoughts was that I was glad it was over. Yeah, like I was yeah. like, yeah. like, I mean, just like you were saying, like, I was glad it was over for, for them because it took me until like the fourth quarter for it to hit me, like looking at them on. I saw a couple flashes of the players on the sidelines and I was like, oh, man, they tired. Like, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes like we get into the mindset of like how we expect for them to play or how we want them to win. And then once it hit me like, man, this is another Three games in twelve get days. These guys are probably fatigued. I calmed down and like kind of reevaluated the game in a different way. I know that you um, mentioned just how physical this game was. When you look at the Titans, I mean, Tart Basham, 
Basham, before his injury, was literally blowing up a lot on this D-line. Um, their safety, I don't, I don't want to pronounce Byard. it. Bayard. Bayard. Like, this was a prideful outing by the Titans, Absolutely. in my opinion. Yeah. And with the spread and all the conversation and, oh, my God, and all this conversation, you could tell that a lot of these guys still wanted to go out there and put good tape out there for themselves and kind of show, you know, show what they're capable of despite the fact that they didn't have starters and Josh Dobbs took advantage of his opportunity as well. Yeah, definitely. And anytime any team plays the Cowboys, that is their spotlight. <laughs> that is their time to get their best film on tape. So I'm glad you brought that up. But that Thursday night turnaround for players, I, I think they just don't get enough grace in that because what a tough week for them. I mean, oh, they yeah. had two days of walkthrough practices to go back in and not only have another away game from that point, but also the weather change. I know the weather um, may not seem like a big deal, but being in an outdoor stadium compared to being inside AT&T Stadium, we'll talk about that later, how that played uh, an impact on a few things. But again, not a lot of grace for what these players do when they do that turnaround from <clears throat> Thursday night already, but then they're going from an indoor stadium to an outdoor facility with two completely different weather patterns. And the former forecaster in me just always looks at the weather when I know they're playing outside because, again, Weather can sometimes lead to more injuries and, and more sprains and, and, and things of that nature. So I was really concerned for their health going into this game, thinking, you know, obviously you want them to come out winning. And depending on what happens with Philadelphia this weekend, we know how those cards can roll out. But more more importantly, I just wanted a healthy team to come out of this game because of all the factors that they were working against. But speaking of injuries, Christy... <laughs> There was yeah. a there was a lot that happened. So what did you see from the sideline as, as far as all of that? Well, the main thing is Tyler Biotish, the Cowboys starting center. It was the final play of the third quarter in uh, right ankle and basically got rolled up on. And um, the good news is the latest information that we have as a Friday afternoon, uh, Stephen Jones talking to the fan, the flagship station of the Dallas Cowboys radio network in Dallas, uh, said that uh, they're hopeful that he will be available for the playoffs. So don't look for him to play the last week against sure. Washington, whether the Cowboys are still playing for a possible NFC East title or not. But um, and this is the same ankle where he had a high ankle sprain before. But uh, basically, Basically, I think the team feels that they dodged a bullet. So the mm -hmm. fact that they're even talking about him being available for the playoffs is a, is a good sign. Uh, we had a little bit of a scare with Dak Prescott there yep. with that uh, sack, uh, 48 seconds to go in the first half. And uh, But he was going to be okay. When he got to the sideline, he, you know, they, he wasn't getting any medical attention. When they, and, again, it was just before halftime when they came out at the start of the third quarter. He was the first one. Uh, out of the tunnel, leading his uh, his teammates back onto the field. So I did not see that affecting Dak at all in the game. There were a couple other guys, you know, um, Malik uh, Hooker. Nation, yeah, Malik, Malik Hooker. Uh, Curse came off, only missed a couple plays. He went back in. Uh, Sean McCune, the tight end, went off. Uh, they were checking his shoulder and gave him a cognitive evaluation. He just missed a couple plays. He returned to action. Sam Williams, the defensive end who had missed the previous week after the car wreck, missed a couple plays he returned to action but overall to your point Jess the number one thing is getting through this tough spate of, of games so many games in a short stretch uh, other than Tyler Biotis you could say they came through it uh, pretty well on Saturday yeah I, on Thursday when did we play see, what is today it's, it on is Thursday. three yeah. games oh, in 12 days yeah, that is. is what you do I had yeah. to make sure to write down Friday in my notes today instead of Monday because it just this week really just feels off. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for that update because, again, the one thing that we had talked about throughout the week was 
just come out injury-free of this game because, really, the Titans weren't playing for anything in this game other than, yes, to earn their starting spots, potentially. Josh Dobbs doing a phenomenal job in his NFL debut. I mean, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on what you saw from him uh, in person and even just what you saw on tape, Aisha. I mean, this kid came out to prove a point, and I think a lot of people were very quick to discredit him. And, you know, that, that happens when you don't really have much to go off of from the last time you played in college. And so I think Josh Dobbs absolutely putting up a fight against the Cowboys. But we're going to go ahead and turn to our first break because there's a lot of game to get into. And coming up after this break, we're going to talk about what factor of this game played into the way the Cowboys were playing that they didn't have control of. I'll let you know what that means after the break. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation. So you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today. Dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. <sighs> know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more. I'm Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And they snap at the Prescott who looks right. It's not there. He escapes left. He'll run for a first down. Just like football, when it comes to crypto, it's important to have a team you can trust. With blockchain.com, I know I'm in good hands. Since 2011, they've been trusted by millions around the world to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrency. Prescott's going to run this himself. Run it up the middle, and he scores. Whether you're new to crypto or an active trader, they've got you covered. What are you waiting for? Get started at blockchain.com. Back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We're coming live to you on this Victory Friday from the beautiful star in Frisco. We're going to deep dive into the Cowboys offense um, here in a second. But first, let's talk about the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Dak Prescott is this year's Cowboys nominee for the 2022 Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award presented by Nationwide, recognizing NFL players for outstanding community service off the field and excellence on the field. Help Dak earn a $25,000 donation to his Faith Fight Finish Foundation by voting on Twitter. You can tweet or retweet hashtag WPMOY challenge followed by Dak Prescott through January 8th. So go vote for Dak. All right, ladies, let's go through some stats that we saw from the offensive side of the ball, starting with the points that were put on the board per quarter. Quarter one, seven points. Quarter two, three points. Quarter three, seven points. Quarter four, 10 points. The Cowboys offense had 361 total yards, 274 of which were passing, 87 of which were rushing. Uh, let's see. The time of possession. I know we like to talk about this a lot on here. 33 minutes and 36 seconds. That's how long Dallas had possession of the ball. And 26 minutes and 34 seconds. That's how long Tennessee had possession of the ball. They were 8-13 and 13 on third down conversions. And... 
yeah, we saw touchdowns from Zeke and Schultz times two, which, by the way, Dalton Schultz with that 10-yard touchdown pass in the fourth quarter had a 26.8% completion probability to get that to even happen according to next-gen stats. So uh, with all of that being said, although this wasn't the most style point-esque <laughs> uh, kind of game, the Dallas Cowboys still lead the league in the amount of points scored at 461 this season. So with all that being said, let's get right to it. We just mentioned Dak Prescott, of course, those headlines still headlining uh, about the interceptions. But what I wanted to break down, and, and I like to do this on, on this podcast specifically because we see things from a very even-keeled, fair-minded way. Let's break down what happened um, on each of those. And I, I hinted earlier about a condition that the Cowboys can control that maybe was playing a factor. Well, the weather. We, we hinted at it a lot. So, Aisha, I want to go to you first for this. Looking back at those interceptions and looking back at even the fumble, what happened and how do you how do you think the weather played into all of that from what you saw on film? Well, I mean, on both sides of the ball, there were drops, receivers were slipping, whatever the case may be. Um, obviously, Peyton Hendershot had the dropped interception, and then that led to the pick six. The second interception that Dak had was him fitting a ball where it was not fittable, if that's a word. Fittable's um, a word. Yeah, absolutely. Is that a word? <laughs> yeah. All right, because I was like, I think I might be making something up, but no, nah, <laughs> I, I think it wasn't fittable. That's one thing about Dak, and this is something that you see with quarterbacks that have mobile ability and have the ability to extend plays is like, I, sometimes there are f some instances where I'm like, just throw it away. Just throw it away right there. Just yeah. throw it away right there. And in regard to the fumble, Tyler Biotish has been fantastic with his exchanges, his snaps. Like, they're not high. It's It's been very polished this year. But in that instance, I'm, I'm going to assume, I don't know yet, if the ball was slippery. And when he spiked the ball, it hit him, it hit him like, underneath, like, it hit him underneath. And that's what messed up the exchange between he and Dak. And unfortunately, like, that's... That's just basic stuff, and I do understand that the weather probably played a factor, but it was a tough fumble in that moment in the game, for sure. Definitely, and Christy, I wanted to jump right back to you about these weather conditions because at Nissan Stadium, I checked. It was a high of 64, but a low of 54, off and on raining as well throughout the day. How did you notice little things to how the play was impacted during the entirety of the game because of that? So many times the players losing their footing. And mm -hmm. it was it was both teams, okay? It's not just the Cowboys. They do a good job coming out pregame and, and you know, making sure they have the right footwear. But, you know, there was a play in the second half where Titans veteran wide receiver Robert Woods wide open and just – he Feet slip out from fell. under him. The ball just sails right over him. They were lucky that uh, Dobbs was lucky that one wasn't intercepted. But what had happened was uh, there was a tarp on the field. It's a natural grass field, a Bermuda sod. Looked great, but it was soft and soggy because mm -hmm. what had happened was it started raining about uh, 1 o'clock, and it rained for about three hours. And then it was fine for uh, pregame warm-ups, and then just maybe about 10 minutes before kickoff, it started raining, and it stopped raining by the end of the first series. So I'd say that 12 to 15-minute rain shower just you know, made everything slick again. But even before that, uh, it was going to be an issue because that turf was so, so soft. And I always talk to the specialists, the kicker, 
the punter, the yep. uh, deep snapper before the game. It, the good news was that the temperature and the wind was not a factor. That can be a very windy stadium. Wind was not a factor, but for the specialists, the turf was a factor in terms of when you're spotting the ball. Uh, you know, in the NFL, you spot the ball eight yards behind the line of scrimmage, but they were taking extra time to make sure that they had a good little patch of grass, you know, to find uh, for anger to put the hold down. So, um, but then. Other times, uh, there was a time where Malik Hooker uh, uh, fell down in coverage, and um, even you could see Zeke Elliott when he's trying to make oh, some yeah, cuts. So, yeah, but, it, but again, that was kind of equal for both ways. But uh, when you have a game, this was a game that ended up being one of big plays right. uh, because it was so hard to run, and the fronts were working so hard, and it uh, particularly the defense of the Tennessee Titans, their front seven. It was so hard to run against them that it ended up being big plays through the air. And it's always a little scary when you have uh, the kind of field conditions like that because all it takes is one slip for a a pass to go 70 yards because the defender falls down. And you mentioned specialists. Like, I wonder if – Turpin had a return in that game where he kind of bobbled the ball too. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Yeah. If we haven't yep. gotten a chance to ask, obviously. Yeah. But I wonder if that had anything. Was that to do the with one it? where he was running to yeah. his right? That yep. actually was one you could see where um, uh, Stonehouse. They, they have a great working punter. I believe he made the Pro Bowl. He's about to set an NFL record and surpass slinging Sammy Baugh, who's had the record for like over seventy-four years for punting yards uh, in a season. Anyway. Um, you could see that it was supposed to go right, and it went left because mm. all of the all of the coverage was going one way, and all the blocking was going that way. And here's Turpin uh, going the opposite way and fielding it on the run. So he was lucky he was able to to gather that in. But um, yeah, I, I don't know that that was so much uh, a thing with field conditions or the ball being uh, slippery. What happens is in the NFL, the balls that are used by the specialists, whether it's punts, kickoffs, field goals, or extra points are called K balls, kick balls, kicking balls. And so there are separate ones. There are six of them and they are separately held. There's a a ball boy on the sideline and his only job is to handle kicking balls. Hmm. So like, let's say it's third down and Josh Dobbs for the Titans throws an incompletion. Well, they remove that ball, the Titans ball used on offense for the punt and the ball boy throws into the umpire who places the ball down, uh, throws in K balls. So it's it's a lot easier to keep the K balls dry because you know they're not getting used over and over, uh, and over and over. It's only only for those specific special teams plays. Interesting. I feel like See? I learned that during the, the the more you know the one other gate. Yeah, I feel like I learned that. Well, actually, they, they changed the rules so that what we think about is the Tony Romo deal, the, mm-hmm. the playoff oh, game after wait, the 20, 2006 that. season yes. where the setup for the field goal and the go, uh, Tony Romo is the holder. The ball slips through his hands. Uh, funny, not funny, haha, but <laughs> terrible story. Uh, no, what had happened was that was a brand new football, a brand new K ball that got thrown out there because earlier in the game, mm. Miles Austin returned a kick for a touchdown. Guess uh, what he did? Guess what he did? Kept when the he, ball. 
He kept the ball. Mm. That K ball is off the board. So the next K ball is going to get thrown in. And those K balls weren't rubbed. When I say rubbed down, they literally have like a scrub brush and stuff Ah. and stuff like that. Because when when new balls come out, they're so shiny and slick Mm -hmm. and literally go right through your fingers. And so anyway, um, new ball came in, went right through Tony Romo's hands. Um, Cowboys don't get the field goal. Anyway, uh, the NFL changed the rules on the, how you handle the K-balls because of that particular play. Wow. Mm-hmm. See, we just yeah. learn something from Christy yeah, every day. Sure. That's Learned incredible. So I wanted to kind of switch gears now because we were just talking about Tyler Biotish going down and the O-line adjustments that had to happen after that because I just – this O-line cannot get enough credit for the amount of work that they've put in this season to stay on their toes, literally and figuratively, to be ready to go for whatever is going to come at them, wherever they have to position themselves. So I just wanted to leave the floor open to both of you. Uh, Aisha, we can start with you about the adjustments that you saw and what was working for the O-line really after Biotish went down. Well, then they put Jason Peters at left tackle. They moved Tyler Smith to guard. And then you have McGovern in at center. Um, quite honestly, I mean, I know he needs some more reps there, but McGovern has had experience at center before, so I'm not like super duper tore up about it. If it's like, if for right now, if it's like a band aid situation, I think more so they're gonna have to focus on the snaps, the communication, cadence, stuff like that, getting him used to that. But yeah. Tyler, just the flexibility you were just talking about, this guy just back and forth, the left tackle and guard, yep. back and forth. And they found some things um, later in that game. I feel like they obviously pass protected far better than what they run blocked in this game. Credit to Tennessee's front, as we talked about. Um, but Jason, Pe- Jason Peters, on that last play, um, the touchdown to Dalton Schultz, he held his own um, and, and looked pretty clean for the most part. You can just see the comfortability in him going back to left tackle as opposed to even when he was filling it at right tackle. You can just tell that even when his feet aren't perfect or whatever, his hands can catch up or vice versa. But um, the adjustment for right then in that moment was beneficial because they were able to get points on the board in the fourth quarter and fizzle things out. And um, moving forward, I guess until Tyler Biotis gets back, you're just looking for some some more time to communicate with each other and, and get cohesive going into the playoffs because we're not sure if Tyler like you you have to prepare for either way now so. yeah exactly I love that you have to prepare for anything mm-hmm. and this season has just proven that over and over and over yeah. again it feels like and it ended up being 18 snaps by the way for Connor McGovern because he played the entire uh, fourth quarter so 18 snaps it's at center and to Aisha's point you know it looked like the communication went very well and he does have experience there but uh, the only person that was left on the sideline that could step in at guard or center was a guy named Brock Hoffman who well we had signed <laughs> him to the yeah. practice squad a few weeks ago and so he's yep. been elevated the past couple weeks from the practice squad he was elevated uh for last night's game so he would have been the one to have to Hmm. to come in but yeah what what a tribute to the versatility of all of those players and what a luxury to have uh veteran experience and future hall of famers to put in jason peters sign in is proven every like almost every week in these instances to just be so worth it he signings of the season and it was just it's just showing it to be just a, a smart decision in that point in the season 
for this offensive line. Something else I wanted to mention was the run game because of the O-line, because of the conditions, kind of how that was impacted during this game. And again, this is a game that you're not going to see those flashy stats for. And really, really looking at it from the beginning understandably so. I mean, these guys have just been at it. Zeke was just getting pounded. He was wearing down those that defense as much as he could. He's been three times in the last 12 days. I mean, um, just wanted to mention that Zeke rushed for a touchdown in his ninth straight game. This is the longest active streak in the NFL right now. Um, Zeke and Emmett Smith, you may or may not know that name, are the only players in Cowboys history with a rushing touchdown in nine consecutive games. So just to put that in perspective, Emmett Smith had a consecutive games in the 1995 season uh, again what, what, what ha- season what hap- was that again? what happened that season wow. I was I was actually born that season oh. but um <laughs> but the Cowboys did win the Super Bowl so <laughs> there you, you can take that as like a good luck charm perhaps that the season we start this podcast uh, you can connect the dots there but uh also just wanted to mention that Zeke is the second NFL player in the last 15 seasons with a rushing touchdown in nine straight games last one was Jonathan Taylor in 20. 20- 21. Holy cow. Ezekiel Elliott, get your flowers. Um, And again, the run game, I I think to Kellen Moore's credit, was as established as it could be with the conditions. Now you're talking about the turf and all of that. It's not worth risking injury to Ezekiel Elliott, Malik Davis, with, you know, trying to get them to get those cuts and all of that, seeing how that played out. But. I did want to mention Malik Davis and uh, wanted to open the floor up for how you think he performed in the absence of Tony Pollard and what you noticed his strengths are. As we see more and more of him, I like this kid. Mm-hmm. This He is speedy. He is speedy. He's chippy. And he's physical. For a smaller guy, he is so physical. And I was really excited to see what he did. Wasn't underwhelming at all. 10 carries for 39 yards. Again, not going to be a flashy amount of statistics with this kind of game. But, Christy, what did you notice from Malik? Yeah, um, I think he's he's well-rounded and he's not a liability uh, in pass protection. And that's an important thing because most of the time when you have a backup running back, uh, you don't want him out there like on third downs or any kind of like passing situation because you don't want to risk your quarterback. And that's, you know, when Zeke came in, he's always been, even his rookie season, just one of the best blockers and uh, a help in pass protection, not a liability. I really like Malik Davis. And, and uh, I think, Jess, you were there uh, early in the week when Zeke Elliott was at, I asked him about yeah. Malik and um, what he said was very telling. He said, I've never, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but I've never seen a more mature rookie come in. Yep. Always so hardworking. You can tell he was raised right. Yep. Yep. He wow. Mention that. You know, is that like the ultimate compliment? I don't know Malik's parents, but I need to pull, <laughs> I need to pull that that nugget, that sound bite and send and it send to them because they, they'd be very <laughs> proud. But no, I, and, and then in talking with Skip Pete, the Cowboys running backs coach, uh, echoing the same qualities about Malik Davis. But he but he's got some bursts, too. He's got some mm-hmm. pollard in him where he can he can run downhill. Yep. And so um, I'm disappointed that he didn't have better stats yesterday. But again, that that kudos to that front seven for the Titans. That that was stout. And and again, I oh, think. And, oh, I'm sorry, may I oh, say no, one, one other? I yeah. just want to say one other thing about um, how tough it was in the run game. Uh, Post game, 
last night in the locker room, Zeke, and then a couple of the offensive linemen, and then Dalton Schultz, the tight end, mentioned that they were doing that the Titans were doing some movement along the front uh, that. Um, they hadn't really shown previously mm. uh, that they hadn't gotten to study up a lot on. And I think that uh, they were having to make some adjustments to that. So uh, not an excuse, but uh, just a reason. Well, I want to repeat that. Thank you for that. Yeah. That's, no, it's, it's important. It's a because, good nugget. So, so I think you could see that, that the run game did get a little bit better. The problem was um, when you when you're not getting good, first and second down runs, you fall behind the chains. And earlier, Jess, when you gave that third down conversion uh, rate, it was so high. Thank goodness for T.Y. Hilton. Oh, trust me. <laughs> three, we were, three of his. Or, we were getting Three or there. four of his. I, I know we're going to get to it, but, but that was so crucial because um, to have that – high a third down conversion when you're having that much trouble running the mm-hmm. ball that means that that Dak's finding some go-to guys on third down yeah and I know we're going to get into that later I wanted to uh definitely chime in on the fact that you talked about Zeke and just how hard his yards like every yard he got yesterday he was fighting for mm-hmm. like every oh, yeah. single mm-hmm. yard he he was able to get was like he was having to to push through and break tackles or whatever the case may be. It was physical down there. But uh, to Malik Davis, on the second drive that the Cowboys had, well, I think it was like the third drive um, after they went three and out the first time, um, he had uh, he had the carry of 18 yards and the carry of 23 yards on that play, on that drive. And you were able to see, as you talked about, his burst. Yeah. Like, And it was, it was TP-like in a way mm-hmm. to where yep. it's like, he sees the hole, it's there, and he's going to take on whoever decides to fill if they do. And he dipped his shoulder a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He's shown it, – yeah. it's, so, it's so great that you said well-rounded because he is. And the Cowboys do have a fantastic three-back. I, I felt like he – even though the stats didn't show it, the things that he was able to do periodically in that game showed what he's capable of. And, again – um, we've talked about this a lot. The stats don't always tell the full situation. And he's another guy that when we're talking about him, I forget he's a rookie. It's one of those yeah. things where the way he has made an impact when he needs to, absolutely phenomenal. So he gets his flowers there. And, of course, you mentioned Mr. Third Down himself, T.Y. Hilton. Holy cow. Four receptions for 50 yards. And can we just talk about that how helpful he's been for those third down situations and uh Dak in his post game press conference was talking about um TY and just said that he is a quarterback friendly receiver and his body language speaks for himself and that he shows up on third down which we're all here for we love that thank you TY for showing up on third down absolutely just it's it's amazing how much of an impact he can make to where now we've seen him what in two games and we know oh it's third down ty's there the amount of trust that jack has in ty within now i'm assuming around two weeks of being here and just the comfortable uh the comfortability there that he has is incredible so flowers to ty but also flowers to cd lamb i was just aisha was talking and cd was making a play over here which i'm not surprised 11 receptions for 100 yards and with those 11 catches he um Let's see, he reached 100 receptions in 2022, becoming the third Cowboys player in, let's see, let's see, in real, in 100 catches in a season. The only other Cowboy with 100-plus receptions in a season were Michael Irvin, 111 in guess what year, 1995, and Jason Witten, 110 in 2012. So, 
Ladies, how are you feeling about this wide receiver group going forward? And again, we're going to pretend um, Washington is its still up in the air what we're going to see. We may or may not see a lot of these two uh, next week, depending on what Philadelphia decides to do and if they decide to help the Cowboys out uh, or not. But how do you feel about this wide receiver core going into the playoffs? Ayesha, I'll start with you. Um, I feel like the things are starting to kind of round into form, kind of what you wanted to see um, as far as T.Y. being that, that veteran that's there, that's QB friendly and consistent when you need him. CD Lamb is obviously emerging and he's been fantastic. Also, too, with the third down things, like CD Lamb is fantastic on third down as well. So, defense, well, yeah, defenses now have to make the decision on who they're going to focus on because they're both showing the threat there. Uh, Obviously, we talked about Dalton Schultz, two TDs. Him and Dak have kind of slowly in this last couple games gotten back into being on the same page. Um, And as far as the other gentlemen, they just got to be ready. Like uh, Michael Gallup had a couple of big grabs in this game, but he also had he drew the pass interference that got you downfield for the score, which was huge. And just be number when you're be ready when their number is called, because there are this like I said, this offense has shown the ability that when they need to pass the ball. They are willing to pass the ball to score and to be successful. And so the receivers just have to be prepared for that and be ready to produce when it's when it's their time because this offense keeps going, it seems like. It's that it's going to keep going regardless. And that's what I'm looking for from the other gentlemen involved is to just be ready so we don't have negative plays moving forward. Good answer. Christy, what about no, you? No, I agree. I feel so much better with T.Y. Hilton here for, for sure. Um and you mentioned Gallup uh, drawing the pass interference. I thought that that pass interference penalty was one of the crucial plays yes. of the game. It, yeah. it really was. And we can argue about whether it should be a spot foul or if they should do the college rule and just make it like a 15-yard penalty. But um, that that was a huge factor in the game um, and kept that drive going for the Cowboys because if they would have had to punt there, I mean, it would have been a completely different yeah. game. So um, – But I just feel that there are too many times – I don't want to say he disappears in the game, Michael Gallup. It's just that there are more, uh, you know – whether it's Baskin Robbins, take a ticket and wait your turn, you know there 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 are more options for sure. uh, Dak now, and so, um, but that toe tapper that Gallup had on the right sideline, mm. huh, incredible, Magic. you yeah. know. Magic. So when when you can get it to him, I believe he was only targeted four times in the game. Mm-hmm. I I would love to see him targeted more. Sure. But then you say, well, who do you want to see targeted less, CD or yeah. TY, or should we not throw it to Dalton Schultz? So. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a good dilemma to have. It really is. And I'm glad you mentioned penalties because we will get into that. On the other side of the break, we're also going to talk about a player who is elevating his play at the right time and how that can help this defense oh, you've been going into the for postseason. Man, I know you've been waiting to. <laughs> that, that's one of your better puns. Thank you very much. We'll talk about it after this break. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. No, you funny. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. 
What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. <sighs> know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more. It's Smoothie King's original angel food and new angel food slim without added sugar. You no longer have to choose between treating yourself and hitting your goals this summer. You don't have to choose between great taste and feeling great. Because at Smoothie King, every blend is made with whole fruits and no syrups. So you can satisfy your cravings without compromise. The only choice you will need to make is which one is best for you. Try our classic angel food or the new angel food slim, blended without added sugar. Smoothie King, rule the day. Talk Boys Talk presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to talk all things defense, but first let's talk about the NFL Fan of the Year because James Wright is your 2022 Cowboys Fan of the Year. James brings the spice to every Dallas Cowboys game and now needs your help to bring it to the Super Bowl. Vote for James to be given the ultimate title of the NFL Fan of the Year presented by Captain Morgan by casting your vote at NFL.com slash Fan of the Year. Go help our guy. James out. And so speaking of helping people out, I before we get into the defense, I wanted to make sure we gave a spotlight to a certain player, that being Brett Maher. Brett Maher, you get your flowers here on this podcast because just absolutely incredible what Brett Maher has done. A little stat here. Brett Maher made two field goals and three extra points to bring his point total to 137 this season, which leads the NFL right now and is a franchise record for most kicking points in a season. Um, again, he scored nine of the Cowboys' 27 points on Thursday night. Kudos to Brett Maher. I just wanted to throw that out there because he is just money and it needed to be said. Moving on now. We're talking all things defense because... Again, there's been a lot of headlines going into the defense uh, as of late with the injury bug that has just stricken our defense. Um, let's talk some stats, though. They did, let's see, they didn't allow the Titans to score in both quarter one and quarter four. Uh, Nashawn Wright, which if you didn't get that pun, that's what I was talking about. Oh I was really proud of that. Okay. <laughs> Aisha just hates these puns sometimes. Um, there was one she liked last week, so that was good. He had nine total tackles and one interception that came at the right time, if you ask me. <sighs> Jaron Curse had seven total tackles. Deron Bland, seven total tackles. I'm not going to say it. Christy, you know what I want to say there. Uh, Damone Clark. Anything but. Thank you. There you go. Damone Clark had five total tackles. Tank Lawrence, who we will definitely get into, five total tackles. Also, a little side note, got a 93.1 rate from PFF. Good to see there. Uh, a strip sack fumble by Dante Fowler and Michael with the recovery there. And Donovan Wilson with a sack as well. So uh, the Cowboys defense recorded two takeaways and they lead the league right now with 32 so far this season. Let's get into it. Ladies, that's a lot. Uh, the defense on the up and up, it seems like since they've been kind of taken back from all the injuries. Key players that you noticed that absolutely made an impact during this game. Aisha, we'll start with you and then we'll jump to Christy. Oh, dang. I mean, yeah, I like their energy yesterday. Um, you could tell very early that their energy was high in this game. And Tank, at the beginning of that game, I mean, actually throughout the game, he made 
such a huge difference. He had the force fumble, two pressures, two batted passes. I mean, he was so active, and even in the run game, he had the chase down. Um, he had a chase down tackle where he just ran almost all the way down the field to make the tackle. Just so much effort from the defense, um, from the defense specifically the defensive line. I felt like to start this game, and Tank was the guy. Like Micah played his tail off, but Tank was the guy that set it off. He set the tone early. And, and really has all season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and I'm glad you mentioned the pass breakups there because, um, you know, Dobbs just trying to trying to find the right passing lane. And, just and, getting his uh, hands out there. Yeah, just getting your hands up. I think that the mistake that fans and media make is that they judge the pass rush sacks. by sacks. There you and go. And you're just not going to get to them every time. And if you're not going to get to them, you can still make a play by getting in the passing lane and jumping up and batting down two passes. Mm-hmm. So doesn't matter if it's a PBU for uh, right as a cornerback or or Lawrence uh, up along the line. And I wanted to ask you, Christy, about the cornerback rotation specifically. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned to me in our little pregame, um, our pre-podcast game notes um, <laughs> about Mackenzie Alexander and kind of how he played a part in kind of what we saw without yeah. even stepping foot on the field. Yeah, and I know people are like, who is Mackenzie Alexander and why do I care? Well, Mackenzie Alexander is a veteran slot cornerback who spent a lot of years with the Vikings, played for George Edwards, one of our defensive coaches now who used to be a coordinator up there. He was elevated last week to play in the slot because Deron Bland was going to start and play outside because Kelvin Joseph has been benched. So that was probably going to happen again this week, except Mackenzie Alexander hurt his uh, groin in practice this week. Doesn't show up on the practice report because he's not on the 53-man active roster. He's a practice squad player. But because he hurt his groin, he was not available to play, mm-hmm. so they couldn't. They didn't elevate him. So that meant that there's no backup slot cornerback or no one other than Deron Bland to play in the slot. So Deron had to play inside, which meant that uh, Nashawn Wright played outside. And that's why Nashawn got so much more work. I believe he ended up with 48 snaps, which is his high for the year. Um, and then what are you going to – there There were some times where Wright was not on the field and Bland was playing outside, mm-hmm. but – very rarely are you in a base defense where you have just two corners. You're almost always in a nickel or a dime where you have three cornerbacks and you have to have someone in the slot. Personally, I'm concerned moving forward. I wonder if, uh, because if it's a groin injury, a soft tissue injury, it's going to take at least a couple weeks, will the Cowboys need to bring in someone to the practice squad or Mm. someone with some experience playing the slot? Because who do we have behind Deron Bland right now? Nobody. Now, we do use our safeties. Uh, We use J. Ron Curse for matchups. We use uh, Israel Mukwamu. But those are big, tall, slender, well, big... Uh, tall safeties that are great matchups in the slot for tight ends, but maybe not for the little Wes Welker, Cole Beasley's of the world. Okay. So um, I I know it's like, why are you harping on some practice squad guy we've never heard about? I'm telling you, these are the discussions that are taking place in the star today because even an injury to a practice squad player has a domino effect, and it certainly affected last night. That's why Nashawn Wright was on the field so much and ended up making the the key play at the late in the fourth quarter with the interception. Yeah, I want to say I think that the I also want to say I felt like the defense, um, the linebackers 
played play pretty well um, in this game against the run. Um, Damone Clark, Anthony Barr. We saw a little bit of Luke Gifford. Got a lot of Jabril Cox yeah. later mm-hmm. in that game. Yeah. That, 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 that was the plan again. coming in. They had, yeah. a, they had a certain sub-package mm-hmm. where you were going to see Gifford and then uh, see Jabril Cox. So that was not one of those things where, oh, it was towards the end of the game and we're going to get the guys some some work. No, that that was a plan coming in. They had been working on that all week. No, yeah, going forward for them, I'm, for them it's just tackling – you know, yeah. finishing. Th- yeah. This this defense is still, to me, capable, way more than capable. They're still stout. They still have far more capability. But this last couple of weeks, moving forward is finishing tackles, finishing your sacks when you have a scrambling key, uh, QB, finishing interceptions, making those interceptions. I know Trey is beating himself up because he yeah. read it. Oh, my yeah. God. He read it to oh, filth. Oh, he had a house call. Yeah, he read totally. it to filth. Yeah. He read it from the moment that they were even lining up and mm-hmm. just taking advantage of those opportunities Like for this defense going forward, finishing is the most important part of what I think they need to do as a team. If they finish their tackles and all this stuff, sacks, like I think they gave up like two, they were right by the quarterback like two or three times yesterday. Finish these plays, it's going to flip the conversation. Mm -hmm. But I still really like the energy they came out and played with uh, this game, and I thought they stopped the run very well as well. Yeah, a couple guys I wanted to make sure to mention was Damone Clark. I wanted to give him his flowers because he's really stepped up in the absence, I feel like, of Leighton Van Der Esch. And it's almost interesting just the way their stories are similar um, with the injuries and overcoming injuries like they have, but also their play style. You can just see a little bit of Leighton and how Damone's playing. Um, and, and I think that definitely comes from a more veteran presence and Leighton taking him in uh, under his wing, if you will, as, as a mentor to him. And I think you're really seeing that. Uh, Marcus Mosher on Twitter actually tweeting out that Damone has not missed a tackle since week 10 of the season. So you want to talk about completing tackles. Damone Clark, what is your secret? Because uh, <laughs> would love to know that. Another guy I wanted to make sure we mention was Micah Parsons. Um, and just again, the way teams have to prepare for Micah is just so different. Obviously the physical threat, obviously the pass rushing threat, but also something that I don't think a lot of people give him credit for is the way he can draw penalties sure. from an O-line. He can yeah. mentally mess with you as well, which, by the way, was very nice to be on the other side of penalties. Tennessee had 10 for 124 yards. Not that anybody was counting. Surely I was not. But if I was, I'm just saying it was nice to be on the other side of the penalty count um, this time. But I wanted to give Micah his flowers for getting those false start penalties. And this isn't the first game we've seen it, but it was just so noticeable how good he is at doing this so uh flowers to micah for that uh, yeah it's, and itself. especially playing with a giant q-tip on his yeah uh, yeah for yeah. a left hand i don't yeah. know that thing gave him <laughs> that thing gave him some extra powers or some something superpowers but no nah, he was done like micah this last couple weeks his his presence has been felt and yep. he even so there were instances in this game where they not paying no attention to him and here comes deron bland on a safety blitz mm-hmm. well not a safety blitz but a, a corner blitz yeah. and they're not expecting it but um Dan Quinn also, too, in, in this game, it felt like he's getting back to moving him around and, and giving yep. and there being some ambiguity in where he's going to be lining up. And for him, he rushed through the A-gap yesterday, and I was just like, yes, yes, he's mm-hmm. not just yep. at the edge. And, and so some of the versatility and the, the options that DQ has with Michael Parsons, you're starting to see again. And it was just good to see him despite his hand thing yeah. going on. He looks 
himself. Like he looked himself, and that was good. The energy was really good from that side of the ball. Yeah, I there and this long weekend's going to be yeah. real helpful for him. And I yeah. don't just mean the laceration of his hand. I mean he's just you know, he's getting worn down as yeah. the season goes along. So yep. he is as much as. Any of the players are going to benefit from this. It is like a it's mini a bye. And a they mini-bye. they absolutely absolutely deserve to kick their feet up for a minute and enjoy it because oh man, things are about to get this crazy. Uh, to but real game. quick, of course, I always ask at the end of these shows who gets your flowers for this game. I'm going to stick to one person this time. So I was nice last last week, Monday, <laughs> to give you an offensive and a defensive player, but I'm going to give you one player out of this whole game who gets your flowers. Christy, I'm going to start with you. I'll go with Wright at, with that uh, interception at the end and just kind of um, embodying the entire defense. There you go. Mm. Aisha? Tater so she's probably going to go D-Law then. No, no, or are you no, going to no, go no. defense? No, no, no. I think I'm going to go... <laughs> you going to go offense? Barnacles. I think I'm going to go Don Schultz. Uh, his two TDs were clutch they weren't easy grabs and well besides the other one is a little boot but that that last grab fingertips uh, in the back of the end zone that was uh, a big time uh, that was a big time grab <laughs> and um he and leave me alone and he and Dak being on the same face because he always does the finger roll i know what you're, so, i know that's it's just so, beautiful yeah so but creation. he and Dak being on the same page moving forward is going to be important to the receiver core and, and i was really looking for them to be on the same page this game I am giving my flowers to C.D. Lamb because he Dak has himself a little lamb, and I couldn't help that. He's like that dude. Uh, He is just such a superstar, and I'm so proud of the stride he has made to get to where he is now, to absolutely play with the confidence that he's playing with. He deserves it, and to have that trust from Dak Prescott, that chemistry, undeniable, and I just can't wait to see him continue to grow. So, mm. C.D., you get my flowers, and unfortunately— Y'all, we are done with this episode because we are very over our time. Um, But thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, For Christy, for Aisha, for Jess. Thank you all. You all are amazing. Go enjoy the rest of your Victory Friday and the long weekend ahead. This has been Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We will see you next Tuesday. Have a great weekend. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club.